Welcome to the Glam Life Podcast, where we empower and inspire beauty professionals to take their careers to the next level. Your host, Victoria, is a certified business coach with over a decade of experience in the beauty industry, helping countless beauty professionals start and grow successful businesses. Now she's sharing her knowledge and expertise with you. Whether you're just starting out in the beauty industry or looking to take your business to new heights, this podcast is for you, covering topics like community, management, branding, and much more. So join us on this journey to build the beauty business of your dreams. Good morning. Good morning and welcome back to the Glam Life Podcast. My name is Victoria Rocca. You might know me as Victoria Glam uh, over on Instagram. I am the owner and operator of the Microblading Institute here in Lafayette, Louisiana, and also of Brow Sister PMU products shipping worldwide and sponsoring this podcast. Thank you, Brow Sister. Today I have a very, very exciting deep dive, and I honestly feel like this is going to be a turning point for this podcast. I do. I feel like this this feels very much like a fresh beginning. Not that there was anything wrong with our podcast. I mean, I enjoy our time that we spend together, but this is, I feel so in alignment with this. If you study human design, I am a projector. That means that I am really good at telling you exactly what you should do. Um, and I, I fucking love celebrities. So adding those two passions together is just filling my cup and I'm, it runs over. Today we are talking about the godfather of entrepreneurship in the 21st century. And you can't tell me anything different. We are talking about my man, Curtis Jackson, who has influenced more moves in my business than he will ever know. The coolest celebrity that I've absolutely never met who most aligns with me. <laughs> Uh, if you don't know who Curtis Jackson is, yes, you do. It's 50 Cent. So today we're going to be talking about 50 Cent. We're talking about um, pretty much everything from the beginning to the end. So buckle up because this will be one of my longer podcasts, but I promise you it will also be the one with the most gems in it because no one, no one person has influenced me in business more than Curtis Jackson. Are you ready? Let's get into it. Okay, 50 Cent, Curtis Jackson. He is worth over $270 million, if not more. It's very hard actually to pin down his net worth because he's a little bit of a rascal. I think that he lies a little bit. You know, he never really truly shows his hand. And that's because he, first of all, lives by the 48 laws of power. And also because he's from the streets where you never show your hands. So first, let me just edify a little bit on why it is that I personally connect with this man and why I can speak with him. So when I was in middle school, um, was the last days of the world before Curtis Jackson changed. <laughs> That's so dramatic, but it's so true. So uh, picture it. I am in sixth, seventh, and eighth grade. That's middle school here where I live. And it's 2001, two, and three. So who was really big at that time, right? Ja Rule, Ashanti. I'm sure other people were big, but listen, I went to a very poor school in middle school. We were in the middle of the hood, like the like really the hood. Our mascot stayed home from school one day so that he could rob somebody and wound up accidentally killing the girl. And, and you know, life just kind of marched on. There was a park across the street where they would sell drugs. And if you were in car rider line, people would, hey, come here, and try to get you to, like, run drugs for them. So I um, 
I was a little bit more in tuned with a lot of the things that he was rapping about that, you know, Ja Rule was rapping about than I was with things that Britney Spears was singing about because though that wasn't my reality, I didn't grow up in that environment. I was just a guest in that environment. I was experiencing and seeing it. So it was very interesting to me to also hear that represented in music. So um, when Curtis Jackson came out and he was saying, you know, he was, he's been on the street corner selling drugs since he was 11, I literally knew an 11-year-old on the corner selling drugs. So I, I thought that was very interesting. Uh, that's kind of just a little background for you. So anyway, in 2001, 2, and 3, guess who was ruling the airwaves? It was Jaw Rule, it was Ashanti, it was all of Murder, Inc., right? And their whole shtick was very similar to that of 50 Cent, right? Like, we're big, we're bad, whatever, except that they were lying, <laughs> which we didn't find out until 50 Cent came out. So Ja Rule and 50 Cent are from the same place, and I'm going to explain how this first initial beef set the tone for marketing for, for him for the rest of his life, how it launched a thousand careers for him, how it made him hundreds of millions of dollars, and, um, and how not showing up as your authentic self, <coughs> Ja Rule, um, actually put him in financial ruins. I mean, he was driving... He was driving Uber a couple of years ago. So I'm going to break down several of the beefs. I'm going to give you his origin story, and we're going to talk about how this applies to your beauty business and how you can use these same techniques. Are you ready? Let's get into it. Okay, so 50 Cent didn't have a dad, right? And his mom died in like a house fire or when he was eight. So he lived with his maternal grandparents who had a lot of people to take care of. They had something like nine kids. So while 50 like feels like he had love and a home, he didn't have like a home, you know? So he was about 10 or 11 years old, I want to say, when he was out on the block and started selling crack, literally selling crack. And he kind of rose up through the ranks there and created his own little drug empire. So he had his own baggers, his own runners. It was a whole operation, right? This man has always been entrepreneurial. However, when he's 18, 19 years old, he made a mistake. He accidentally sells, like a misstep in business. I mean, he um, accidentally sells uh, crack or cocaine or something to an undercover cop. So he gets sentenced to a couple years in jail. He winds up only doing six months. But while he was in for those six months, he did a lot of thinking and a lot of reflecting. Very much like Tupac Shakur, who spent the majority of his incarceration reading things like Nietzsche and the art of war and really just kind of, they're basically like Bane, right? Like Bane and from Batman in the middle of that big, I don't know what that thing was, like a big crater that he couldn't climb out of or whatever. He just spent every single day getting stronger and smarter and stronger and smarter and training until he could climb out of the hole and go to fight Batman, who he was destined to lose anyway because he's the bad guy, but it didn't matter. It's the origin story. So um, that's exactly what 50 Cent was doing while he was in jail. He's reading book after book after book. And he always says that Robert Greene's The 48 Laws of Power was the most influential book on him. 50 Cent has actually, uh, for him, 50 Cent has actually gone on to write a book with Robert Greene called The 50th Law of Power, which I really love. Um, second for me only to his, his book about uh, Hustle Harder. I don't remember the name, but it's an amazing book filled with quotables. So anyway, he gets out of jail. He goes to one of his friends who also like works corners, whatever. And he says, yo, I, I don't have anything to get started on the corners. Give me a job. The dude gives him a job in like his count room or as a bagger. So 50's working there for a couple weeks and he realizes he's never going to like work his way back up because that wouldn't help his friend in any way to create a new competitor, especially someone who had the reputation of 50 Cent, right? By the way, it was around this time that he chose the name 50 Cent um, because it meant change. 50 Cent meaning change because he wanted to be the change. 
so anyway, here he is in the count room. <laughs> and he, he started thinking to himself, like, mentions this in the 50th Law of Power. If you ever read that book, chapter 2, 50 Cent actually says something along the lines of um, the ultimate power in life is to be completely self-reliant. Uh, depending completely on yourself and no one else. So he knows that this it's in this guy's best interest to keep 50 in the count room as long as he can. And 50 really wants to get out and make real money, not just, you know, depend on someone else's empire to earn a couple dollars an hour. So he rallies, hey girls, come here. He rallies all the guys in the bagging room with him who had similar fates, you know, they also were down on their luck or whatever, and he convinces them to skim with him. And they do this for a week or two until 50 has enough to go out on the corner and open up his own shit, just like he used to do. He starts selling again, boom, he's back in business. He pays the dudes from the, who helped him with the skim, and then he reopens his own business. But this time, he's not hustling just to hustle. He's not buying Mercedes and everything else that he used to. He had a Mercedes when he was 16. He's always had money, but he got smarter. He was like, this only ends in death or in jail, right? So I'm instead going to take this money and I'm gonna flip it into something else. And he starts paying for studio time. And he finds a friend of his who's working at a label that hasn't even opened yet they're just kind of like getting their shit together so he goes in and his friend starts teaching him about beats and uh metronome and how you know the booth works and like the whole thing he teaches him all about the rap game guess who this is jam master j so his friend was working at at um what is it, Jamrock? What does he own? He, he, he was working at this label that hadn't opened yet, and it was owned by Jam Master J, and they're just hanging out in a basement together with one of the greatest rappers of all time, one of the fathers of rap anyway, um, teaching him about, yeah, about, about the rap game. And he's paying for it with his drug money, which I don't think is necessarily groundbreaking. Probably lots of people have done it. How does any of this apply to you? Let me tell you. Because when you work commission-based, especially in a big operation where you take the smallest portion of the pie, if you are an esthetician working for $10 an hour and you've been made to memorize scripts and four lines and two ingredients off of 80 different products and you have to meet these KPIs and these quotas and you're only making five dollars off of each of those sales maybe the idea here is to go ahead and leverage some of your income whether that's by getting a loan using your w-2 or saving your your money until you're ready to do it and going out on your own and being your own boss because the ultimate power in life is to be completely self-reliant not to depend on somebody else's business or clientele or ability to market to fill your books, but instead to take that risk and go out and do it yourself. The risk of opening that business is the ultimate power in your life. And being able to trust yourself and say, I can do this, or really, really trust yourself and say, I'm not sure if I can do this, but I know that if I don't give it a shot, I'll never do it. So I'm gonna give it a shot. And if I fall on my face, I trust myself to get back up. I think that's a pretty great lesson. And it worked out so well for 50 Cent. He eventually got signed to Columbia Records within two years, two or three years. So he, he records his debut album. He knows that it's going to be absolutely insane, but he starts to recognize some of those same hallmarks of like, well, but I work for someone, you know. But he was okay with it because he was getting his foot in the door, whatever. Then comes May 24th, 2000, 50 Cent gets shot nine times and very famously gets shot nine times. 
Columbia Records basically said, I don't fuck with that guy. Um, This is a violent situation. We really don't want to be attached to it. They cancel his project. So his career is like done, right? Except that it's not because just because you got fired or just because you didn't like working at one place doesn't mean that you just forget about your craft. On his own. Now remember, this is in the late 90s, early 2000s. So we didn't have, you know, TikTok, Snapchat, Instagram, where you could just open up your phone and get famous like Cardi B, who I'm going to be discussing next week. Um, So instead, what he did was he used the underground, he used word of mouth, um, and he he started putting out dozens of mixtapes and he started to gain a fan base and everything that he was rapping about was just his real life which is what was popular at the time if you think back to the early 2000s it was the oversized clothes it was the do-rags and you know it was the the whole image right and that's what 50 cent and everybody who was really popular i mean um sorry ja rule and everyone who was really popular over at murder inc that's what they were talking about but 50 was actually living it so of course his plus he's a better rapper so his music became uh, almost like a a grassroots movement of hip-hop right like everybody wanted to hear this guy and eventually somebody puts his hand in the tape of an entertainment lawyer over at aftermath which is dr dre's and um dr dre didn't hear it right away but eminem did eminem signs him to aftermath and and shady which is dr dre and his labels whatever and uh and 50 cents excited but he's also kind of like here we go again you know so he uses this opportunity right he wants to get back in the game the game that he was kicked out of before he ever even really got started playing so he takes another job he goes and works for another esthetician studio right he goes and works for another dermatologist or whatever but this time he leverages that to his own benefit this time he tells himself you know what I'm gonna come in, I'm going to learn everything that I can possibly learn about the other side of this business. He said that he would be sitting in hotel rooms after a show and call his lawyer and ask him to break down various things in the contract um, for the next gig before he would take it. So he wanted to understand line by line each item in contracts. He wanted to understand how people made money on the back end, who all was eating off of the contract. It was a whole thing. He actually told a really funny story about how Master P kind of kind of got him, where he signed him for eight gigs for X amount of money. And they did the first four together. And then Master P was like, oh, something came up. We're gonna, uh, we're gonna do the next four shows. Just hang on. I got something to take care of first. And he waited until 50 Cent's album went double platinum. And then he said, okay, now let's do our last four shows. Well, he had to do it because he'd already been paid, right? I guess if he really wanted to, he could have like tried to buy out of his contract or whatever, but he went ahead and did those four shows and Master P made way more than he had actually spent on a nobody 50 cent because he bided his time. So 50 is watching, right? He's watching how other people run their businesses. He's watching how other people operate in business. And he's kind of like putting himself onto game, right? He wants to understand everything. That's exactly what you should be doing when you are a brand new artist, fresh out of your first class, fresh out of school, and you take a job. That's exactly what you should be doing is opening up your eyes, closing your mouth, taking instruction and learning every single thing that you can because, as I've already said, the ultimate power in life is to be completely self-reliant. Your main goal should be finding this self-reliance. So that's exactly what he does. And uh, he also figures out that you don't want to have all your eggs in one basket because if Columbia Records could pull that out from under him in a heartbeat, I'm sure so could Eminem. Now, would Eminem do that? Probably not, but it, it doesn't matter um, Eminem is very loyal to a fault if you don't know that. We'll talk about that in a little while. But <clears throat> I mean, in, you know, like in another episode. 
but it doesn't matter. So he immediately starts diversifying. He's basically like one of the first influencers, I guess. So he starts um, not just like doing a, a commercial for vitamin water, but he started representing them and just mentioning them, name dropping them everywhere, just like an influencer would on Instagram. So they're in songs, it's in the rap videos. Whenever he goes out, he says, oh yeah, I had to have my vitamin water with me. It was, it's a whole thing, right? So as he's doing this, vitamin water isn't his. So they offer him a contract and they're sponsoring him and he's doing, you know, all this whatever press or whatever for them and really embodying the brand. And he tells them, I want to buy in. So he buys in. I don't know how much he spent, but he winds up by the time that vitamin water gets really big and sells to Coca-Cola and body armor. He makes how much did he make? He made a hundred million dollars off of that sale off of selling vitamin water. And all it cost him was to talk about it when people were already interested in talking to him, right? So influencer marketing. So if you are a lash artist and you start teaching lash classes, why wouldn't you start representing Inlay or uh, Live Bay Lash or, you know? Like it just doesn't make any sense for, unless you have your own product. It doesn't make any sense for you to not make money off of the products you're using to make money. You, you shouldn't have all your eggs just in the one basket of doing the service. You should also have your eggs in the basket of training the service and in selling the product that is used to train or do the service. Diversifying, right? Then he took the money from that deal and he flipped it again because he's really, really, really from the corner. And he understands money doesn't just grow by sitting here you got to reinvest it you got to re-up on your money right so that's exactly what he did um and he pitched a series to stars that is loosely based on his life called power and it went absolutely absolutely crazy um and it became an entire universe with four or five spinoffs at this point and i think last i heard he was putting together um an eight mile spinoff which will be a, a television series based on eight mile eminem's life like you can't stop him he acts in it he's the executive producer he owns it it's his he's the creator and it's a whole thing right he even has like it's his music in the intros for these movies he gets paid while he's getting paid while he's getting paid it's ridiculous the amount of entrepreneurship and big picture that this guy sees and there's no reason you can't do it in your beauty business i have i started off as a brow artist who was just doing brows by myself solo in a suite and then I wound up getting my own uh, baggers in the count room, right? I got people who could come and do brows underneath me. And I, you know, I had some missteps in, in the immediate, but long term, I think I figured out that the people who I want to work with and who I want to employ are people who don't want to have their own business for various reasons. Maybe they have just too much going on to be able to worry about a business. Maybe they've had a business in the past and they're ready to kind of like calm down, settle down. They just want to do their job and go home basically. It's that kind of thing. So I, I, I learned a lesson there and I started moving smarter. Then I diversified again and I started teaching because I saw a hole there. No one here teaches and certainly not at the level that I do. Like my course is corporate, okay? My course is replicable and that's exactly what I did. I started replicating it. Now I have instructors in Ohio, Illinois, Washington State, Texas, Florida, doesn't matter. I, I have my own power universe now. I have the MBI universe. And then on top of that, then I, I hey, these student kits are costing me a bundle, right? So now I'm going to make my own products and I'm going to put those in the student kits and students everywhere in all these different cities and states are going to buy my stuff for now, forever and ever, amen. And you should too. So quick word from our sponsor, Brow Sister. 
Brow Sister PMU Products is a proud sponsor of the Glam Life Podcast. Join our growing community of satisfied customers who rave about our world-famous pink gel numbing. It's the secret behind those flawlessly shaped eyebrows that feel as good as they look. Say goodbye to discomfort and hello to a pampering experience. With Brow Sister PMU Products, you can trust that every product is meticulously tested and designed to meet the highest of standards. We're passionate about empowering you and all artists to embrace your natural beauty with confidence. So it's at this point in his career that basically social media is shaping up to be what we know it to be today, right? So Instagram and stories and Snapchat and TikTok all taking off, all doing really well. Um, And it's kind of like being able to show up and speak with your, your ideal client right now, just the way that we do. He was able to do the same thing, but on a much, much wider scale, especially using things like Twitter, right, where he just sends out a tweet and millions of people retweet it and it's something so silly and it doesn't matter what he looks like at the time or what he's wearing because it's a, it's a tweet, right? So 50 Cent realized that shock value and drama are things that people really love. And at this point, 50 Cent is one of those I don't give a shit kind of people. Like he's always been that, but he's now like, that's his attractive character when he shows up publicly anytime he shows up. This man has been in more public beefs than anyone. It started with Ja Rule and continues to be. Every once in a while, somebody brings it up to him and he kind of laughs. Matter of fact, about a year ago, maybe a year and a half ago, um, he saw Ja Rule was having a concert. He went on Groupon and bought the first four rows of his concert so that when Ja Rule came out to him with the house lights, it looked like no one was there and he still had to perform. And 50 Cent thought that was super funny. He went on Jimmy Kimmel or Jimmy Fallon or whatever and he he told the story and everybody laughed. And now it's a very famous story at the expense of someone else. But it just shows that if you fuck with 50, he will crush you completely now and forever and ever. Amen. One of the first big beefs that he used to pick all the time was with Wendy Williams. He would call her Wendell. He would make fun of her. It was not cool. It was absolutely awful that he treated a woman this way, especially a woman with addiction and, you know, all of her personal issues that was going on with her husband, Kevin, Kelvin, whatever. We can talk about that on another episode also. But the thing is, Wendy knows the game because Wendy started the game. So way back when, if you want to go back to when I was in middle school and I was obsessed with celebrities and really kind of living in the middle of a lot of turbulence at that time, We didn't have social media, right? So how are we getting all this information? How did I know that, you know, the whole whole reason that we had Ja Rule and Ashanti was because of Irv Gotti, who was Ashanti's, uh, Ashanti's baby daddy or whatever, and he was robbing her blind because Tommy Mottola was paying for Ashanti, um, her vocals, so that he could try and make J-Lo a celebrity because if you don't know this, I can tell you, um, everybody knows, J-Lo was not singing on any of those damn songs. That was Ashanti and another girl who sold her backing vocals. But so anyway, the whole point is Tommy Mottola was buying these these vocals so that he could try and make J-Lo a star to get at Mariah Carey, who was his ex-wife, and he just really wanted to crush her completely because I guess, I don't know, maybe Tommy also read the 48 Laws of Power. So that's the whole reason that we have Heartbreaker. Heartbreak, you got the best of me. Not because she was mad about her breakup with Tommy, but because she did the remix to that song with ODB. Um, me and Mariah go back like babies with pacifiers. Because they were trying to compete with the juggernaut that was Ja Rule and J-Lo, a.k.a. Ashanti. How do I know all this? We didn't have social media. 
Where was anyone talking about this? We had, um, back then, Us, Us Weekly was big and People Magazine, which by the way, two very different things, right? Like Us Weekly is a gossip rag and they'll tell you kind of the juicier stuff. People Magazine, if it's in People Magazine, it's true, but that's because they actually work with the publicists and celebrities. So they're also not gonna give you any of the juicy dirt. How did I know this? Because that was not what was in Us Weekly. How did I know this? Word of mouth. I knew this strictly from word of mouth and I knew this from um, radio shows. Wendy Williams was massive on the radio set and she loved, loved, loved to be a gossiper. Very much Tasha Kay before YouTube. And um, also there was another one, uh, Angelique. If there's a leak, it's Angelique. If you don't know who these people are, don't worry about it. It's not a big deal. So anyway, he remembered that. He remembered that that's how his mixtapes got popular, that that's how he initially got the Ja Rule beef out that got him a lot of attention. So he goes back to the same game. The more he makes fun of Wendy Williams, she understands the game, the more she will mention him on her show, on her podcast, on her radio show, on her socials. They go back and forth. And this is a really lucrative strategy for him. Every time he has something new to launch, every time he wants to have a sale on Lychee Midori or whatever it's called, his alcohol brand, every time a new season of Power is coming out, he has social media beef with someone. And now we might think of that as common sense, but no one was doing it before him. He really kind of started this entire movement actually and um yeah that was his main marketing plan he came up with that marketing plan which basically just exists off of the idea that all press is good press right we've said that for decades long before him but not in this way he didn't mind being the bad guy i'll be the bad guy for a hundred million dollars he really didn't care and that came out um really big with the game with Floyd Mayweather, but especially with Kanye West. So Kanye decided to drop the graduation, his first really, really big album on the same day that 50 Cent was coming out with his like second or third album. I think it was his third album. And 50 didn't change his date. He didn't care. He knew that that Kanye was going to be huge. It didn't matter. He starts beef with him, right? But it wasn't really beef. And actually I have a video of him saying that. It wasn't really beef. He really wished Kanye very well. He thought that the album was great, but he knew that the more drama surrounding it, the more people were going to listen to both. And he wound up, you know, doing twice the numbers he would have done had he said nothing. And they both made out. Kanye won awards, but 51 millions of dollars. So in the end, who really got the last laugh there? Of course it was 50, because by then he's working for himself and he's keeping all the pesos. Kanye's on stage accepting an award, but he doesn't yet own his masters. So you see where I'm going with this? When you own your art, when you don't have anyone above you, I'm kind of uncomfortable that Taylor's in the room listening to this. When you don't work for anyone, you keep all the money. <laughs> But that, I mean, that's his entire, that's his favorite law of power. He even put it in his own book. He said, and I'll say it again, that uh, the ultimate power in life is to be completely self-reliant, completely responsible to and for yourself. He just shows us this time and time again. And in your own business, that's really the way that it works. If you only make $10 an hour, but it costs you $8 in gas to get here, and then on top of that, you know, you have this laundry list of rules. You need to clean this, you need to clean that, you need to make sure that you make these calls, you need to check your emails, you need to make sure that you restock everything, please fold the towels in the back, whatever, make sure that you're using this exact 
exact script when you answer the phone. I have coached hundreds of beauty businesses and I'm telling you, the list of things that people require from their W-2 paid employees is out, out, outrageous at times. I was like, damn, she wants you to answer all of her social media and you get paid $8.25 an hour and on top of that you should be doing facials and doing the trash and also deep cleaning and also creating your own market. Like, it doesn't make any sense. And that is the deal he would have signed with Columbia Records. So it was actually a blessing that he got shot. Not to mention now anytime somebody says, oh yeah, well 58, where he says, oh really? Well, did you get shot nine times? So I really feel like he's kind of played that one out. But he has really made his fortune off of giving us Gossip Girl. He has beefed with, and the, the, the list is much longer than this one, Ja Rule, Wendy Williams, The Game, Floyd Mayweather, Randall Emmett, Lala, whatever her name is, Tierra Marie, Trey Songs, Will Smith, um, Madonna, Adele, Gabrielle Union. I mean, it goes on and on and on. And one of the most... Um, influential things I ever heard him say and I really wish I could find this video because I can't remember who he was talking to but um, somebody else tells this story about how when they came out 50 Cent had done an interview and he talked mad shit about them and the guy was shocked because they had just had a really nice conversation so when he runs into 50 again he said hey what was up with that double XL interview or whatever it was and he said you know I had a lot of people calling me that, that I, I made me really uncomfortable because I didn't know that we had any any drama and 50 said I gave you a gift I gave you a gift dummy because let me tell you something when your album drops you're gonna get coverage in LA Weekly you might be you know a, a, a byline in um, <clears throat> you might be a byline in like Rolling Stone or something but what I did was I went on my international platform and I mentioned your name and somewhere today there is a train going through Prague and there is a man who is going to get on that train to go to work and when he sits down he's going to see a newspaper in the back seat uh, in the back of the seat in front of him he's going to open it and in that somewhere in that paper it's going to say 50 cent and your name that is a gift that you couldn't purchase you couldn't buy that PR you're welcome and he like walked away from him that just goes to show you how deeply this man truly believes in all press is good press. And I think that this is going to be his dying MO until the day that he leaves the entertainment industry altogether. He has used this to successfully launch four different shows on Stars. Um, now he's got this, I don't know where the, the Eminem show is coming out. I think he has one coming out on Netflix also. He's launched, I don't know how many books. Um, he's got his own, I think he has his own podcast, but he certainly keeps himself relevant by going on everyone else's. He's got clothing lines. He's got several different lines of uh, liquor that he's invested in. The list goes on and on. This man is worth over $270 million that I can find. And I'm in Louisiana and never met him. So I, that tells you what I know about his finances that I can find beyond successful. So how does this translate into your beauty business, right? How does this translate into your small business? I would say, number one, you need to figure out who that attractive character is. Who are you? Because there's there's duality there. There's Curtis Jackson who goes in his grandmother's house and doesn't say curse words and make sure he takes out the trash and the whole. And then there's 50 Cent who worked the corners at age 11 and sold crack and, you know, trained like Bane while he was in jail and came out saying, shoot me again. There's That's two very different people. 
one of them shows up in in person all the time in public and represents himself the other one does business deals he said 50 cent is the man who got me here curtis jackson is the man who kept me here so you've got to figure out who your version of 50 cent is i'm two people also i'm victoria rocca and i am victoria glam they are incredibly similar but victoria glam has children but she almost acts like she doesn't victoria rocca just lives with children hanging right off of her we might we might as well still have the umbilical cord there which means that i can't get a whole lot done throughout the day. Victoria Glam is incredibly efficient and um, and well studied, I would say, in the field of marketing and also celebrity, <laughs> which you would argue doesn't really make me any money, but actually I'm doing it right now. So you have to figure out who your attractive character is and then you have to lean into that when you show up socially, when you show up on social media, when you show up in a speaking engagement or at your own studio. Next, I would say really lean into that entertainment portion of your um, social media marketing because I think a lot of people think it's all about the before and afters people want to see what it is that you do they want to see where it is that you do things and they want to see what the healed results look like that's true but people don't just want to watch an infomercial all day long 50 cent never actually I've never seen a bottle of his liquor I've seen effing vodka but not from him I've just seen it like in clubs but 50 Cent doesn't do commercials showing you his product. 50 Cent hashtags them in the end of a really shitty caption on a picture of Wendy Williams where he drew a mustache on her. It like it just doesn't he he'll be like, here's Wendell at it again, whatever, hashtag Leechy Me Dury. Like, why does he do that? Because he's smart is why. Because it's entertaining, because it keeps him in our feed, because it keeps him in our brain, because it keeps him relevant. Other people talk about it. So then I would say probably the last method that we can translate into our own beauty businesses from the wild, wild world of 50 Cent would be choosing your collaborations wisely. And I use the word collaboration loosely because for you and I, they will be collabs. I certainly do not advocate for you going and picking on the esthetician next door but his collabs do look that way, right? He's done songs with the game. He hangs out with Floyd Mayweather. They are all friends at some point, but he also goes through very public beefs with them. And a lot of times, like, he will never hang out with, um, with the game again. But it doesn't matter because they already each got what they needed from that. He and Floyd Mayweather did make up, but there were so many different rounds in that fight, which is funny because Floyd Mayweather, whatever. Um, he, he publicly dragged that man forever. And same with, with Wendy Williams and um, uh, Trey Songs. It doesn't matter. They are still collaborations because it's two people and their audiences engaging in the same act of paying attention to this thing. So how does that translate for you? As you're looking for collaborators, people who you might do a giveaway with, people who you might do a podcast episode with, people who you might do a, a you know speak at a conference with, whatever it is, you're borrowing each other's audiences, but you want to make sure that their audience is the same one that cares about you right? Like with them, what's in it for me? My friend Sheila says that all the time. So I think um, making sure that you choose these collaborations wisely, not just somebody who's cool to hang out with, who you would like to work with, but also somebody who already has something that you need, right? Like their audience is the same audience that is related to your ideal client. Does that make sense? I hope it does. I hope that you enjoyed today's episode. I hope that you learned something about my favorite celebrity of all time. Well, I don't know. That might be saying something, but my favorite celebrity in entrepreneurship. Um, don't even get me started on his beef with Diddy. That's a story for another day. So I will be back next week with a deep dive 
uh, on Cardi B. And until then, we can continue this conversation and we can gossip as much as you want. And if you are shocked to find out that Ashanti and JLo are essentially the same person as you know them, we can continue this conversation over on Instagram. My Instagram is at victoria.glam. And you can find all of my products over at browsister.com. I am happy to see you right back here next week, 9 a.m. Central Time. Bye. I, I, I.